Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval here, happy to be with our Catholic audience, happy to be sharing our faith, talking about our Catholic faith. Um, and as we get started with the show, let's go ahead and get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, I'll tell you what. This is the month of June still. We're still talking about the Sacred Heart. This is my second part of our, of our uh, monthly series here on the Sacred Heart. It's very important to consider a few things. It's what are we doing? What are we, what are we considering? Why is the Sacred Heart so important? Why does it really matter to us? Well, if we start looking at the different feasts that we celebrate, um, the different, our approach to Catholicism, really, what are we doing as Catholics? Do we ever take a step back and say, well, why am I going to communion? Why am I going to go to confession? Why am I going to go uh, receive any sacraments? Why is there holy water? Why do I even care about all these things? What does the Catholic Church teach? Does it really matter? Well, here's what we've got to remember. We've got to ask ourselves, why even be Catholic? Why be Catholic to begin with? I think it's a fair question. You know, we're going to talk about the Sacred Heart. We're going to talk about Catholicism. We're going to talk about a way of life. Well, why even be Catholic? Why? What does it matter? You know, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding a term called the deposit of the faith uh, lately. If you look at, um, you know, the different bishops talking about it, Terry Barber hosted a great show uh, with our dear bishop from Tyler, Texas, uh, and discussed really what does it mean with the deposit of the faith? And there's a question about whether it should be taught, talked about, not talked about. You know, it's interesting in that we as Catholics can talk about it. Uh, we can say, well, let's talk about the deposit of the faith. Let's say what that means. But then when it comes to our bishops, there's controversy among them, and they are supposed to be the closest to Christ. Well, first, let's define terms. What is the deposit of the faith? The deposit of faith means that that which we believe to the, how we come to understand God. First, we believe that there's a God, but how do we come to understand God? How do we know who God is? How do we know uh, 
how we are supposed to get closer to God. Because if you look at the world, there's so many different religions. There's so many different ideas. There's so many different uh, thoughts on, well, this religion follows God. Well, that religion follows God. Well, we follow the same God. No, we follow different gods. No, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there. As Catholics, we truly believe that we have come to know the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons in one God, over the course of history, as God has come to reveal himself to us. Not because somebody else told me about it, but because God himself has revealed himself to us. He's told us, this is who I am. And that's what he says in, in the Gospels, right? Or excuse me, in the, not in the Gospels, in the Old Testament, when he's talking to Moses, what's your name? He says, I am. This is who I am. I am who am. I exist. I am existence. I am God. I am in charge. That's how we come to know God. And little by little, he reveals himself to us. You know, and this is where the ideas of, am I an angry God? Am I a nice God? Am I a merciful God? God is, you know, all of the above, if you will, where sometimes we say God is a jealous God. Sometimes we say God is a merciful, loving God. Sometimes we say God is a, um, a just God where he's going to come in and, and his, his law is going to be in charge. Sometimes people say he's an angry God because in the Old Testament, we see a lot of what we consider punishment. But really, it comes down to justice, to if God has already revealed himself and told us, told us these are my commandments. This is what I want you to follow. And we choose not to follow it. What's the consequence of that? I think it would be, it's easy to try to typecast God or say, oh, God is just this one way. But that would be like saying, you know, I am one way. I'm strictly a nice guy. Well, I can be a nice guy when I need to be, but, and it's nice to be nice, right? It's, it's always pleasant. Why, why want to have an irritable day? Why want to make somebody's day bad? You know, Ultimately, it's nice to be nice. It feels good. But in the world, sometimes that can be bad, right? Because different situations come up. And just because you're nice, don't confuse niceness with weakness. Somebody can be nice, but they know how to handle themselves. They know that if it comes, somebody comes in here and tries to assault my family, I'm not going to be so nice, right? So there's different facets to everybody. We all have different situations, different uh, things that come up. And we can't say that we're just one way. We might have a general personality, but we're not just one way. It's the same when it comes to God, where we can say God is a lot of different things in one, but if we think of God as a person, if we think of God as personable, because that's what he told us, and he made us in his image and likeness, so we're going to be very similar. We're not going to meet God and feel like there's a dissimilarity, but we are going to come to understand God as God, and that's where it is totally different. This is where we have to raise ourselves up. We're going to see that God has multiple facets, but as we come to know in the Gospels, God's mercy is what he prides himself on. We fall and he forgives us. To the point, and here's where we come to the point of the Sacred Heart, to what point does he forgive us? If we look back at the Gospels, or at Genesis, Adam and Eve, and we talk about the first Gospel there, the Proto-Evangelium, Adam and Eve fall. They sin. They fall short of God's laws. They disobey God. The natural punishment for that is hell, right? Why did the devil come in and want that to happen? because he wants to own us. He wants us to be in hell. He wants us to be separated from God. But what happens? God comes in and does he say, you're going to go to hell? No, he says, you're going to repair yourself. A lot of times we say that God punished Adam and Eve, but really we got to look at it as justice. God came in and said, look, you've offended me. You've broken the law. Now you got to fix this. If something's broken, you got to fix it. If a door frame's broken, what do you got to say? I'll just leave it. No, you're going to say, well, okay, now we got to kind of rip up that door frame, the old one. That's going to hurt. It's going to take a little bit of work. We're going to take it out. 
and then we're going to build a new one, right? But we got to take the old one out first. And really, that's what it comes down to. Today's show is going to really be talking about out with the old and in with the new, because that's where we start coming in with a sacred heart. God said, look, you fell short. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send somebody and he's going to repair the damage. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. You know, it's not as simple. It's kind of like when we watch a do it yourself shows on TV and we think, oh, that looked easy. Gosh, they fixed that in 20 minutes. I could do that. I'll, I'll take a weekend and, and redo my whole backyard. Right. Well, we don't see what's behind the scenes. You know, when it's on the TV, it seems quick and easy. It's little snippets. It's a montage, really. People come in. We don't see the big bulldozers all the time. We don't see the hours, the number of people who went into redoing a backyard, shall we say. So we make it, the presentation is very easy to us. In many ways, God is merciful to us in that way where he's saying, look, I'm going to send my son to you and he's going to fix it. The presentation is going to be easy for a lot of people, but the reality is the work is really, really hard. But that's how much God loves us. Really, the sacred heart, if we're going to look at it, it's the heart of Christ, which is really the heart of God. This is why we're Catholic, because we believe that God continued to reveal himself to us over time, little by little. And really, God's word is the ultimate revelation. He comes down and he becomes one of us. And he teaches us directly. He's saying, hey, look, I'm going to come in. And not only, gonna, not only am I going to come and die for your sins and suffer so that you can make it to heaven. This is where the heart of God is. God has a lot of heart for us. That's the sacred heart. He has a lot of heart for us. You see somebody playing sports and you say, man, that guy plays with a lot of heart. He really just gets in there and, and he's, he's the star of the team and he's the captain. He inspires everybody else to be better on that championship team. That's really what it comes down to. Jesus has a lot of heart for us. God has a lot of heart for us. He senses Christ, who's going to die for us, a terrible death, a gruesome death, considered, he's going to be considered the worst of the worst on the planet. And yet he's saying, well, if that's what it's going to take to get you to heaven, let's do it. That's the heart of Christ. That's the sacred heart of Christ. While he's here, he's going to tell us, listen, these are the realities of the true spiritual world. These are the facts of life. This is how miracles happen. This is how, um, you know, how much I love you. This is what you can do through my power. You will do miracles as well. He tells the apostles, you can forgive men's sins. He tells them, preach to all the nations what I'm telling you. And that, folks, is really the deposit of the faith. The deposit of the faith is that God himself told us how to follow him and to not veer away from his commandments, from different ways of loving him and from different ways of loving each other right? The greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And the second greatest is love your neighbor as yourself. Christ himself told us that. He simplifies everything for us. That's what it comes down to. And the reality is he's present in the host. He taught the apostles about that. There's the Eucharist. That's what makes us really, this is where we come down to why am I Catholic? Because as I learn about who God is and how he has revealed himself to us, I can say I'm Christian, I can follow Christ, but I got to go all the way. I can't all of a sudden just say, well, I'm going to follow Christ in this way, but not this other way. It would be like somebody telling me, look, I'm only your friend in these moments and in these situations and on my terms. Then I'm your friend. Otherwise, I'm not your friend. Well, it's like Christ said, either you're with me or you're against me. Either you're my friend or you're not. Either you take me in my entirety or you don't take me at all. Isn't that how we are as people? We deserve that as people. We deserve to be respected. And really, that's what it comes down to. Christ loves us in our entirety. Do we love him in his entirety? We're going to look at the sacred heart, how to continue to love the sacred heart, and how to enthrone the sacred heart in our own when we come back from the break.
All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about how do we enthrone the sacred heart in our homes and in our hearts? What is it that we do? Last week, if you were uh, listening to our show, we talked about the sacred heart in general. What does the sacred heart look like? What is it that I'm getting into? What is an image of the sacred heart? Uh, What does it represent really more than anything else? Because when we look at the heart of Christ, I have to understand who do I want to follow? right? Here's the deal, folks. You know, in this in this world, there's a lot of different people uh, who are considered leaders of the world, uh, presidents, uh, dictators, tyrants, whatever you want to call them, whoever's in charge of different nations, different countries, different places. Uh, but as human beings, we vote for these people and we say, look, this is the person who I want to lead, which really means if you think about it and the, on the flip side of things is this is the person who I want to follow. Right, because why? I think that this is the person who has my best interests at heart. Right, so we got to take a look at the whole field, just like when it comes to um, presidential elections. You know, when it comes to voting time, we look at the field. We say, who's running? Who's running for the show? Who's running? Who's got a, who's got skin in the game uh, when it comes to my well-being? Isn't that what government's supposed to do? It's supposed to be government, at least here in the United States, for the people of the people. A lot of debate on whether how how well we carry that out. But that's the reality of the situation. We're supposed to be uh, governing ourselves and trying to find out what is in the best interest of most people. Well, now we get into a little bit of a different uh, level. You know, we worry about taxes, we worry about money, we worry about roads, we worry about a whole lot of different civil things that are going on. But when it comes to the deposit of the faith, let's kick it up a notch. Now we're worried about our soul. Now we're we got to ask ourselves at some point, why be Catholic? Well. Who am I going to follow? Who has the best interest of my soul in mind? <clears throat> that's that's really what it comes down to. Who's got skin in the game for my soul? Who are the candidates? What's the field of the candidates? Either I go into a kingdom where God lives, or I can pick and choose a kingdom where there's just a bunch of fallen angels and there is, uh, and they still have the same God that is the God in heaven. And that's part of their torture. Right? I can go be tortured because there's only one God. And God is the God of everything. God is even the God of hell. But that's the place where if I don't want to follow God to the fullest, where if I don't want to be united to God, well, I'm disunited to God. And part of my pain is that God is still God. I should have been united to God. That should have been my natural happy end. But the tortures of hell are that I chose otherwise, but God is still in charge. You know, this is what it comes down to. Who's got skin in the game for my soul? But just like when we vote for candidates, who has my best interests at heart? Who wants my happiness? Who wants me to lead a full life? And who wants to destroy me? That's what it comes down to. When we look at the sacred heart, God's got skin in the game. Jesus is skin in the game. Jesus only The only reason Jesus died for us was literally for us. God, did not, God does not need of me at all. God is already perfect. He's already whole. He's already full. This is so important to consider as far as our Catholic psychology, because we tend to forget uh, that God loves us sometimes. It's very easy to think, oh, God's going to punish me. Oh, God's not going to love me. Oh, look at what I did. I fell. And God's going to, you know, now I deserve punishment. I only deserve God's justice. That's our human psychology. Sure. You know, because we're so used to, gosh, if you break the law, you're going to go to, you're going to go to jail. You're going to, or whatever the consequences are going to be. And there's no real, there's no mercy. When it comes to human beings, we are not merciful towards each other. If you look at our justice system, man, there is no mercy there. 
you know, you go to court and they're going to throw the book at you and people are really trying to find ways to torture and punish you. And then if you end up, unfortunately, ending up in jail or prison, well, that's not a fun place either. There's even more torture, more, more pain and agony there. Um, and so as human beings, we, we are terrible to each other. We can be, we have the potential to be terrible to each other. We also have the potential to be really good to each other. But God, as we say in his infinite mercy, that's really the sacred heart of Christ. Who is God? God is somebody who wanted us to be with him forever and happy to the point where, keep in mind, he does not need us. You can even say, gosh, what a foolish God. He, he doesn't need me at all. He's already perfect. How much must he love me that he's already perfect, does not need anything of me, but he's willing to come down and die on the cross for my sins just so that we can be together in heaven. That's, you know, that's a whole lot of love coming one way. Whole lot of love coming one way. Am I returning it back? And then the question is, who do I want to follow? Who do I want to follow? Well, if this is who God is, and this is the heart that God has for me. That's the sacred heart of God, who's willing to have that thorn, the crown of thorns around the heart, who's on fire for love of us, and still shows us the cross on top there. That's who I want to follow. That's that's who I want to lead, who, who I want to lead me. Um, into heaven and and who has the best interest of my soul. Really, that's what it comes down to. And that's really what the deposit of the faith is, folks. It's how do I best follow God? How can I, if God's already done so much for me, if I already know God is perfect, he's willing to die for me, how can I best follow God? The deposit of the faith is nothing more than God's love letter to us. And my question is, how do I respond? Am I willing to love God back? That's our Catholic psychology. That's what it comes down to. This is what's so disheartening sometimes when, if you talk to our leaders of the church, our our priests, our bishops, our deacons, and they kind of come back with a soft story or a soft line of, you know, you might not need to follow all that. You know, gosh, that's really hard to do. It's okay if we if we tone it down. I think they think they're being merciful, but mercy is more. Mercy comes from God, not from our, not from our, we can be merciful to each other as human beings, sure. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the heavenly tribunal, when it comes down to my soul, the only forgiveness is going to come from God. It doesn't come from, we forgive each other on a human level, but I need forgiveness from the cross. I need forgiveness on a God level. How am I going to seek God's forgiveness if I'm watering down our relationship? And that's what it comes down to. That's the sacred heart. The sacred heart is saying, hey, I'm going to follow God to the fullest. I want to know what the rules of the faith are. This is why I sit down with my kids. And if we want to talk about Catholic mental health, we read the Baltimore Catechism. We just go old school. We go, we go to the real truth, the basics of the faith, the true uh, um, teachings of Christ, the teachings that we were willing to die for. God is willing to die for me. Jesus is willing to die for me. Am I willing to do the same for God? What truth am I willing to die for? That's, that's the question of the day. So when it comes to the sacred heart, am I willing to enthrone the sacred heart in our home, in my heart, in my mind? You know, here's what we did last week with my kids. I told them, look, this is, we're Catholic and this is what it means. We take out the Baltimore Catechism. Who is God? Why did God make me? We answer these basic questions to know him, to love him, to serve him and to be happy with him forever in heaven. Right. My kids know that. That's the important part because it doesn't matter what age we are in our in our uh, trajectory here on earth. You know, we think that that's for little kids, but as an adult, I find that very soothing. And as we get to be adults, it doesn't really get much easier. And this is, it's easy to see how I'm a kid in God's eyes and how if I'm feeling lost, if I'm feeling uh, 
Like, I'm not sure what I, that what I did was right. I got to follow. Uh, how do I get back to the, to the basics of what I need to follow? I go back to the Baltimore catechism. That's my roadmap. Start at square one. And then we have everything, right? So what did we do with our kids last week? I told them, kids, this is month of June. This is what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to start by cleaning out the house. We got to clean out the house, out with the old and in with the new. And not only are we cleaning the house physically, you know, I told the kids, go into your rooms, take out things you don't need. You got to feel that. You got to feel, you know, oh, you might look at something and think, oh, I can't get rid of that because it has, as we say, sentimental value. But geez, I haven't seen it in three years. Did I really need it? Do I miss it that much? Probably not. If I don't see it for another three years, it's not going to matter. I'm still going to have my sentimental value uh, in my heart. But the reality is, what am I keeping it around for? If it's already in my heart, the sentimental values in my heart, what am I keeping it around for? It's the same thing in our spiritual world. Sometimes we hold on to sin. We hold on to little sins, big sins, different kinds of sins, because they bring us comfort, because they bring us uh, an emotional support, shall we say, because we feel good. But what's the consequence of that? The reality is, is this bringing me closer to God or is it taking me further away? You know, and this is the, the truth of what we got to think about in our general mental health. What am I doing? Why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling anxious? What am I holding on to that's making you feel this way? Is there anything I can do to change in my life so that I'm not feeling so bogged down? You know, we, we talk about this in therapy all the time. People come and they say, Dr. Sandoval, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a darkness around me. Okay, well, what are we doing to change that? Well, nothing really. So then we're staying in the darkness. Well, but if I do it, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, I'm actually afraid of change. Change can be scary, but change can be really good as well. I think sometimes change allows us to grow. Otherwise, we stay stagnant, right? So that's what I told the kids. I said, hey, we got to change it up. We got to grow again spiritually. We, I actually got a thoroughfare. Thoroughfare is uh, for people who, uh, if you're Catholic, you've seen these in church all the time. Thoroughfare is what we burn incense in. So the priest goes around into that metal uh, contraption where he puts charcoal, he puts the incense, and his altar boys, we love to play around with them and swing them and make sure that we get the church nice and smoky. So I actually got a thoroughfare, and I got some church incense. and told the kids, we're going to go around the house, and we're just going to smoke up the house. Why? Because we're getting rid of our stuff materially, but we're going to get rid of any negative vibe, any darkness, anything uh, spiritually that might be lurking around the house. So we filled up the thoroughfare. I had my, my kids come around and my, my girls light the charcoal. They're going to be part of this deal. And I told them, you girls can swing it too, because this is our house. You know, we're going to go around the house and we're going to do this together. So we lit up the charcoal and we got the incense and they love pouring the incense in there. I told them not too much. You don't want to kill the charcoal either, right? Charcoal's a living, breathing fire, if you will, uh, contained in the charcoal. You got to let it breathe. So we put the incense in there, started smoking it up. Made sure to stay away from these smoke detectors. You know, they got a little bit of smoke, but they don't want to set off any smoke detectors. But then we went around the house and we did our prayers. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go around the house. Incense is a sign of our prayers going up to heaven. I said, here's what we got to think about what we want to pray for. We got to clean this house out because I want to bring in the sacred heart. So keep in mind, though, this is a transition period. And believe it or not, cleaning out the house can be spiritual vulnerability. Why? because we're starting to make a change. It's kind of like uh, somebody who suffers from any addictions. Let's just, I've had patients have this, and I'm sure that a lot of people in our lives, we probably know people who struggled with addictions. Uh, very classically, alcohol addiction uh, comes to mind of people who I've treated. 
And what happens? What do they tell you? They go and they're going to do the 12 steps because they're going to do a recovery program. Well, in many ways, it's kind of like the 12 steps of recovery for us uh, as Catholics. But one of the things that they do is first, they recognize that they're powerless to whatever vice is going on. And today we're talking, we said alcoholism. But one of the things that they do is they got to change it up. They got to get rid of people, places, and things that normally lead them to drink, right? They're going to change it up. That's a dangerous time. It's a dangerous time because they're going to say, hey, I got to get rid of these things. I can't can't uh, be living my old ways. I actually got to change my friends. I can't hang out with the same friends I was hanging out with before. I can't hang out. I can't go to the same places that I used to go to. I can't own things that are going to remind me about alcohol and drinking and things of that nature. That's what we're doing as Catholics when we clean out our spiritual lives. Why is it dangerous? Because all of a sudden we're going to start to feel empty if we don't fill that, if we don't change it up and fill it with positive things. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, we're coming up on the break here in a little bit, but I'm going to tell you what we did spiritually in our minds here in our hearts uh, as Catholics in my home, in my domestic church, to change it up, to clean it up, to not have that vulnerability. I'm going to give you a list of the prayers that we did to invite the Sacred Heart into our home and enthrone the Sacred Heart in our hearts. This is going to be important, folks, because if you want to do this in your own home, it was fun, and we're going to talk about it after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. As always, happy to be here talking about our Catholic faith, about what's important to us as Catholics. I don't know that we talk about that enough. We talk about being Catholic. We talk about, you know, different things that are interesting about our Catholic faith. But when it comes down to it, you know, we talk, I, I love people who hear my show always know, I love talking about uh, apparitions. I love talking about the family, especially uh, uh, given the Fatima messages, uh, the focus on the family and how the family is such an important um, unit, you know, one of the most important or a sacrament really it's, it's one of the most important unions we can have because uh, there's there's a level of sacrament sacramentality to a marriage which really elevates it. You know, it's just like saying the priesthood is a sacrament, the holy orders, confession, Eucharist, marriage is up there and we don't think about that. But this is where we say, hey, what does it really come down to in our faith? If we were to get rid of the idea of apparitions, which are private revelation, right? We're not we're not required to believe in Marian apparitions in order to be saved. What do we have left? What is it that we are required to believe as Catholics? What is the truth? And really, that's where the deposit of the faith comes in. The deposit of the faith, like I said, is truly a love letter from God to us, telling us nothing but the plain and simple truth. Not watered down, not, uh, you know, it's just in your face, this is what it is. And what it comes down to is Jesus is in the Eucharist. God has humbled himself enough to put himself in the Eucharist for us to receive all the time. That's how much God loves us, was willing to die on the cross for us. And the question is, what are we willing to do? Are we willing to say that there is a level of morality? Are we willing to say um, that the moral teachings of the church are the truth and we should not veer from them? I'm not saying that we don't fall short of them because I'm, I stand in the confessional line like everybody else. We fall short of what is the truth, but even the confessional line, why is confession a sacrament? Just by standing in the confessional line, I'm already preaching right there. If I go stand on the confessional line, I'm telling you, hey, I've fallen short of the truth. That's really what confession is. It's God's mercy. Uh, it's God's living mercy through the priest, through the power the priest has been given 
by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself forgives us of our sins through the priest. We go there and we stand in the confessional line. What am I really saying by standing in the confessional line? What I'm really saying is I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to examine my conscience. I'm going to look at the truths that Jesus taught, not what the priest told me, not what my friend told me, not what anybody else told me, but these are the truth that Jesus taught because this is the heart of Christ. This is what's in the heart of Christ. And I'm going to say, I didn't follow the teachings of the church, the 10 commandments as they are without watering them down, without making them convenient for my life. That's unfortunately what I did though. You know, I made the faith convenient for my life or I veered away from the faith because it wasn't convenient for my life. So that's why I'm standing in the confessional line. I'm, I'm openly saying I've sinned. You know, when we think about that, we look at the confessional line, sometimes it's, we roll our eyes or we feel annoyed or it's like, oh God, why am I here? What's going on? Oh, this person, gosh, they're taking too long. Well, we're preaching. We're preaching to each other and we're saying we've fallen short. The question is, do I want to follow the heart of Christ? Confession is a great one to bring up because this is where we cleanse ourselves. This is where we do uh, or, or we decide I'm not going to be near people, places, and things. Just like anybody who's struggling with addiction, I'm going to change it up. I want to change up my life. But every time I got to go to confession, I got to ask myself, what is it that I'm going to change? That's the same thing I was asking my kids. I said, hey, we're going to get this thurifer. We lit up the charcoal. We got the smoke coming out of there like nobody's business, and it was fun, and they loved it. And we said, what are we going to change in our lives to make sure that Jesus is always in our hearts? We went around the house. We smoked it up. Every room. The girls loved it. They were swinging the thurifer. I had to make sure that nobody clocked anybody in the head. Um, they were so into it. And they loved it because they'd never seen that at home before. This is the first time we did it at home. And I thought, gosh, we should probably do this more often, maybe a couple times a year. I mean, if not more, maybe every quarter. Who knows? We're going to get it going. But as we we're going through, I said, you know, this is fun and it's great to do, but we have to remember why we're doing it. And as we're going through the house, I, I told them, hey, we got to pray. How do we clean the house of any negative energy, of any negative vibe, any negative feeling? We're going to pray. And who are we going to invite in our house? We can't just leave it empty. It reminds me of the gospel of Matthew. If we look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45, and this is where Jesus casts out unclean spirits. Let's read that a little bit because it's important to to see what happens. If we're going around the house, I'm not saying that there was any demon in the house necessarily, but sometimes there's unclean spirits, unclean vibes, unclean, uh, you know, we're feeling angry. If we're feeling resentful, if we're feeling like um, that person hurt my feelings and we're taking things personally in, who knows if that person even meant to hurt our feelings or what their intentions were. We might not know, but we hold on to these things. And that's an unclean spirit, if you will. That's a negative vibe. That's, that's dark energy because none of that's going to go into heaven. That's how we gauge it. Am I going to take anger into heaven? Impossible. Am I going to take a grudge into heaven? Jesus already told us we can't. So we're going to go through the house and we're going to clean up anything that's unclean. Well, in the gospel, this is what it says. Again, this is Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. So this negativity is out there, but it's not why it's going somewhere to seek rest, but doesn't find it. Why isn't it going to find it? Because it's never at peace, right? These things that we're getting rid of are not peaceful things. Anger, hate, resentment. It's not something peaceful. Let's see what else the, the gospel goes on to say. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. That's an important verse to look at because this is what we're doing. Isn't that what we're doing in our home as we're going through? We're sweeping it clean and we're putting it in order. We're getting rid of physical things we don't need. We're getting rid of spiritual things we don't need. 
It's going to be clean. It's going to be in order. It's going to be peaceful, right? However, here's the key. Let's go back and read that one verse again. Verse 44 says, then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. Swept clean is great. Order is good. You know, we can keep that. That's great. Naturally, everything goes to disorder. Um, you know, in, in chemistry, we used to talk about this all the time. We talk about entropy. We used to talk about different things, but um, things go to disorder. We clean a room and it's naturally going to get messy. It's just what happens. Why? Because we don't always keep things in order. Well, we got the house clean. We got it in order. The key though is, is it occupied or not? Right? Because even somebody who's struggling with alcoholism or any addiction, they're going to tell you, yeah, I got to avoid people, people, places, and things that are bad for me, but I can't, but there's an empty void now because I'm avoiding all that. There's an empty void. I'm, I'm not used to this. I, I have, you know, uh, I'm trying to break an old habit. I got to replace it with something new and something positive. Otherwise I'm going to be left feeling alone. I'm going to be left uh, feeling arid as this uh, Bible passage says, evil spirit comes out of man and goes through arid places. Sometimes we go through arid places internally where all of a sudden we say, yeah, my spiritual life right now, is just really dry. It's arid. There's not much going on. It feels dead. Well, that's what happens. Alcohol used to be my friend, right? That's what an alcoholic will tell you. Gosh, it was something I could turn to. I felt bad. I'd turn to the alcohol. I was having a good day. I turned to the alcohol. I needed to get my mind off of work. I'd go to alcohol. That's what happens to us as well. Sometimes we hold on to sins. We hold on to these angers. We hold on to resentment. We hold on to different things that we say, gosh, if I'm feeling bad or this or that, I can focus on this. And it gives me something to hold on to. Um, that's kind of the danger too, when people, uh, especially in deliverance ministry or things of that nature, um, you know, people really focus on exorcisms and, th and things like that. Why shouldn't we be reading about the devil all the time? Because all of a sudden it can become an addiction and it becomes something to hold on to. And that's not good. That's how, why are we filling our lives with that? This is where we need to focus on the sacred heart. But remember, this Bible passage, says the house was unoccupied. Well, we've cleaned the house out. We've taken the incense. We've gone through the house. It's unoccupied. What are we going to fill it with? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next week. But while we're doing this, um, here's the thing. If we don't occupy the house, what happens? Well, here's what happens. The demon says, then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits. Seven, the number of perfection, right, in the Bible. It brings in seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation, Jesus says. This is Jesus talking. He's saying, that, you know, get rid of the spirit, get rid of the, the, the evil spirit, clean the house. It's clean. It's in order, but it's unoccupied. Haven't filled it with anything else. It's empty. Well, all of a sudden the spirit's going to say, hey, it's empty. They didn't change their life. They cleaned up, but they didn't make a change. They didn't care enough to make a change. They didn't change it with anything else. So guess what? I'm going to come in. And I'm going to have a party with more of my buddies. Why seven spirits? Because now this is the road to sometimes what we call uh, perfect possession. We're in line with them. Are we, or we say being psychologically in line with the demonic. Seven other spirits, it's perfect acceptance of evil spirits, right? Well, what's going to happen? And they're more wicked. Well, the person who was alcoholic, they're going to go. They're going to say, yeah, I'm not going to drink anymore but I'm not going to fill my life with something positive. I'm not going to change my lifestyle. What's going to happen? It's not my heart's unoccupied with anything else. All I know is that if I have a bad time, I'm going to fall. 
I'm going to go right back to the alcohol. I'm going to go right back to the sin. I'm going to go right back to what I know. And now it's going to be worse because now I'm really going to fill myself with that. That's really what it comes down to, folks. Cleaning out the house first. If we're going to enthrone the sacred heart in our home, if we're going to follow Christ and his sacred heart, got to clean out the house. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to clean it out. Well, what did we do to clean it out? Let's talk about that. Next week, we'll talk about how we're going to fill it. But let's just talk about the sweeping part. We cleaned it out first by saying, okay, we got the incense going, their prayers to heaven. And I told my girls, what prayers do you want to do? We didn't have to do anything extraordinary. We definitely were going to include the prayers to the sacred heart. But as we walked around the house, I said, well, how about we know that we want Jesus born in our hearts. Let's start with a prayer. We pray all the time at noon and six. Let's pray with what we know. Let's pray the Angelus. So just like when we start our show here, we start with the Angelus because we're at the top of the noon hour. I said, let's pray the Angelus. What's the Angelus telling us? The Angelus is talking about God fulfilling his promise, even from the book of Genesis. You know, we go through Pentecost and the question is, when did the church start? Did the church start at the Last Supper? Did it start at Pentecost? Did it start? When did the church start? Well, we really want to look at it. The church, if we are God's people, and that's really what it comes down to, the church started in Genesis. We've, as soon as God made man and made a covenant with man and decided you're going to be important to me and we're going to have a relationship, that's really when, you know, God's people, that's when God started his church. He started us with Adam and Eve. Now, when did the Church of Christ, the Catholic Church, start? Sure. And then we can say, well, you can look at the Last Supper. You can look at Jesus on the cross. We can look at, um, you know, Pentecost. We can look at different times when what we have come to understand through a deposit of faith to be the Catholic Church. When did that start? We can debate that. But the Angelus tells us about Jesus coming and God fulfilling his promise from Genesis. That's what we started our prayers with. We started saying, hey, God is talking to us. God is going to send us messages to his angels. And are we ready to listen? Well, let's listen more about this when we come back from the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Fan of All Show. Today we're talking about how do we bring the sacred heart into our home in the month of June? Really, what better what better could we ask for if we don't have the sacred heart in our homes? There's not much else. What are we here for? What are we doing? Are we serving the Lord or are we not? Eh, that's what it comes down to. If we're going to go and look at eternity and when you're going to look at our eternal lives, this is important from a Catholic psychological point of view. A lot of people say, what does it have to do with mental health, Dr. Sandoval? You know, you're a psychiatrist, uh, you studied mental health. What does being Catholic have to do with mental health? Well, if we're going to truly believe that the deposit of the faith is for the whole world, because Jesus said to convert the whole world, that's the, um, that's the directive he gave to his apostles, who are now our bishops. Their job, literally, not because I say it's their job, but because Jesus said it was their job, is to preach the gospel to the whole world, to convert the whole world to Christ. This is where we have our martyrs, people who used to go to different countries, teach about Christ, and convert people to Christ. How do you do that? How do you convert somebody to Christ? I'm thinking, gosh, if I were a missionary and I had to go build a mission somewhere in a third world country, and I had to convince people or teach them that Jesus is truly God incarnate and that the triune God, as we have come to know him, is the truth, and this is who we're supposed to follow for our salvation, how would I go about doing that? I'd have to start with the example. I wouldn't be able to just go talk to them about it. I have to show them because that's what Jesus did. He came down and he showed us who he was. I'd have to go down there and I'd have to say, you know what? 
I'm just going to build a church. This is why we send priests. Why would you send priests as a missionary? Because you got to have the Eucharist. You can go down and, and talk to people about Jesus and, and whatnot, and that's great. But also you have a priest who can bring the Eucharist because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. I got to bring Jesus to people. Well, I'm not a priest, but in my home, how am I going to bring Jesus to my kids? How am I going to show them that this is who we worship? How am I going to worship the Eucharist uh, in front of my kids if I don't have Jesus in my heart? This is what the Sacred Heart comes down to. This is what enthroning the Sacred Heart in our lives comes down to. If somebody's a missionary, they're going to go. They're going to have a mass said. They're going to start praying to the Eucharist. And they're going to teach people how, through the Eucharist, their lives is going, are going to change. But how can I show you that? Well, I'm going to show you how my life has changed through the Eucharist. I'm going to show you that miracles can happen. As we're going through the house, cleaning out any evil spirits, smoking up the house was wonderful. And since it smelled great, I told my kids, hey, this is the example that I'm giving you so that you can see that in our own home, we are a little domestic church. And when we go to church, that's where the Eucharist is. But we've got to invite Jesus in our hearts. Why am I receiving the Eucharist? Because I want to take Jesus with me. So what do we do? First thing we do was we pray the Angelus, right? So the Angelus, as we're smoking up our prayers to heaven through our incense, what's the Angelus tells us? Tells us that Jesus came down to earth, the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And who gave us that message? Who gave Our Lady that message? Was well, St. Gabriel, the archangel. So naturally, we said, let's pray the Angelus. So let's ask St. Gabriel to please come and continue to guide us in our vocations and give us a message from God and let us know, hey, this is what God wants you to do. Have our own little annunciation, right? Jesus, or the Archangel Gabriel, announced to Our Lady what God wanted of her and let her know this is your mission. Well, why don't we ask for the same thing? And we say, hey, St. Gabriel, Archangel St. Gabriel, let us know what our vocation is in life. Even as adults, what's God calling me to as an adult? You can say, oh, well, you already know your vocation because you got married. Well, sure, that was one vocation. That was my sacramental vocation. But God's calling me to do different things every day. God's calling me to continue a mission and a job every day here on earth. I'm going to pray to Archangel St. Gabriel. Why not? Give me the message. Let me know what it is that God wants us to do today in our vocation. That's what I told my kids. Today, we're going to focus on that during this prayer. Then right after that, just like we do in our show, we pray to the Angelus, and then we pray to the prayer to St. Michael. We said, hey, now that we know what our mission is, and we're going to ask St. Gabriel to, to please come into our hearts and, and give us a message from God, we're going to pray to St. Michael, because now that we have this mission, now that we're clearing everything out, we're going to need protection. We're going to need to know that somebody's on our side when things get difficult, right? So we said, hey, St. Michael, the Archangel, protect us in this battle, because now there's going to be a battle. If you think about it, Anybody I've counseled who has gotten away from alcoholism, from addictions, um, they're trying to get rid of people, places, and things, but they tell me, man, it's so tempting to go back because I keep getting called. My friends are like, where are you? We're going to go to this party this weekend. Hey, I'm going to bring your favorite drink. Hey, you know, this person wants to see you. Hey, we're going to do all these things. There's a whole lot of hey, hey, hey. A lot of chatter. That's what's going to happen to us spiritually as well. We're going to clean things up. We're going to clean our homes. And we're going to get a lot of in the background, hey, come on back. Remember, this made you feel good. Hey, this made you, you know, uh, the sacred heart. Yeah, yeah, that'll always be there. But come on and play with us for a little while. We need St. Michael to help us, to help guide us through that and fight those battles. Knock those voices down. Get rid of those thoughts. Get rid of everything that's going to guide us away from the sacred heart. 
well, the Sacred Heart of Christ is our number one priority. So all of a sudden, um, we're also going to pray that there's healing in our homes. Because some anybody who's been through an addiction or anybody who's been through any kind of uh, family matter, an issue, uh, an, an argument, a resentment, feeling like we're, we're, there was an injustice, feeling like people are actually out to get us or make fun of us. Well, there's something broken there. And as we talk about our health, our spiritual health, our mental health, our emotional health, one of the most important things is healing those wounds through forgiveness. I got to forgive my friends. I got to forgive people who want to bring me down, even though, um, you know, it's not good for anybody. I got to forgive everybody, right? How do I find that healing? I said, well, let's round it out. We pray to St. Gabriel. We pray to St. Michael. Let's pray to St. Raphael. He is the patron saint of healing, right? He healed Sarah and Tobias's wedding. And, you know, we look back in the Old Testament. There was a whole lot of death there. There was a big demon there. And St. Raphael came in and through the use of incense, allowed a healing to take place. A very, very big healing to where he got rid of a demon, right? Through the prayer, through incense, he told him, hey, get in there. You're going to get married to Sarah. I know that all her other husbands have died. This is kind of scary for you. And you're going to get married and you're going to, uh, you're going to be okay. But there's a few things you need to do. You need to change it up. You need to do what they didn't do. You need to pray, offer sacrifice and incense to God. And you're going to be okay. You're going to get rid of these demons. So my girls, this is what we're doing. We're offering incense. Not because we're bad people. Don't think that, you know, we've done something bad and bad things happen to us. No, it's because we want good things to happen to us. It's because we want to invite God in our life. Okay. We ask for healing. But now that we've asked for healing, we're going through the house, we've done these prayers. Say, so, well, what is it that we want to fill the home with? Now there's different ways to, to fill the home, but we're going to start to we're going to start to build here. And so the next step, so first we pray to the Angelus, just talking about, hey, what is it that we're starting to believe in here? What is it that we understand? And I said, Well, okay, we pray to the archangels. Our next prayer has to be, what do we believe in? Gotta pray the creed. So we started praying the creed. And we said, we're going to go through it now. We're going to pray the creed because now we're going to uh, vocally put our word out there as to what we believe in this home. These words are going to go up with this incense to heaven. And we're going to say, this is what we believe. We believe in one God and he's the Father Almighty, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? In the creed, the incarnation is there. We talk about Our Lady, right? When we talk about Jesus, we believe in, one, in, in the Son of God who was born of Our Lady through the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in one church. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. And we believe in life everlasting. This is what we believe in. This is what we are doing right now. This is we're cleansing this home. We're getting rid of any negativity. And we're going to talk about what it is that we believe in, right? We're starting to fill it a little bit with ideas of what we want hanging out. We want bad spirits gone and we want positivity, good spirits in our home. And then I said, okay, now that we know what we believe, let's just say our basic prayers. What are the most basic Catholic prayers? Let's just go basic. Our first basic prayer, the Our Father. So Jesus taught us to pray. A Hail Mary, a Glory Be. Well, there you go. Right? It's our story over and over again. If you notice this, the deposit of the faith is very simple. Sometimes it can be challenging to follow, but it's our story over and over again. We pray to the Angelus that already included Hail Marys, but the Angelus is about the incarnation, about who God is, and what his mission was, the mission of Christ, who said, I'm here to follow the Father, not my own mission. And I came here, I became incarnate, and I'm going to teach you what you need to do to come closer to my heart, to come to heaven, to come to the sacred heart. 
So we pray the Our Father. Again, we talk about Father, what his will is for us. Thy will be done, right? We're praying to St. Gabriel so we know God's will. We pray to St. Michael so that he defends us as we follow God's will. And we pray to St. Raphael so that there's healing in our lives as we follow God's will more clearly. We pray the Hail Mary, which is again the incarnation all over again, right? The prayers of um, Saint, the, the message of St. Gabriel, the Archangel, to Our Lady. And then what do we do? We pray the glory be because we praise God for everything he's given us. We're filling our home. There's incense everywhere. The girls are loving it. They're, they're laughing. They're enjoying our prayers, laughing in a very respectful way um, because I tell them to be careful with the thoroughfare. These are the things that our kids are going to remember. And then we asked, I asked my girls, what do they want to pray for? And one of them said, you know, they, they, I said, let's pray to our saints. We pray to St. Thomas, pray for us. St. Joan of Arc, pray for us. Uh, St. Elizabeth, pray for us. Whoever their favorite saints were, they could say pray for us. And then one of them finally said, you know what? I just want all the saints and angels in heaven to pray for us. And we said, everybody pray for us. And I thought, that's perfect. Let's bring all of heaven into the home. Why not? What's to say that that can't happen? And that's the mass right there. That's the mass happening. Now, granted, it's not the Eucharist. We weren't having a mass at home. But when you think about it, when there is the moment of the Eucharist, when the priest says at the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer, lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord, the doors of heaven are open and all of heaven comes down onto that altar in the mass for us. Why not bring that into our homes as well, our domestic church? So we said, yeah, all the saints, all the angels come down into our home, into our hearts and said, pray for us. And that was great. We finished it off with a novena to the sacred heart. The novena to the sacred heart, I'm going to put a link to it. Um, we pray it actually every day after our rosary. We pray our daily rosary. We pray the novena to the sacred heart. But I said, okay, this is this is it. We've prayed to all of heaven. We've talked about what we believe. Let's pray the novena to our sacred heart. It's very simple. Um, let me read it right now. There's three prayers. The first prayer is, oh, my Jesus, you have said, truly I say to you, asking you will receive, seeking you will find, knocking it will be open to you. Behold, I knock, I seek, and I ask for the grace of. You mention what grace you want. You pray the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. Then you say, Oh, my Jesus, you have said, Truly I say to you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Behold, in your name I ask the Father for the grace of. Again, you mention a grace. You pray the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. Then you say, Oh, my Jesus, you have said, Truly I say to you, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Encouraged by your infallible words, I now ask for the grace of. Pray the Hail Mary, Our, our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be. Padre Pio used to pray this every day, the Novena to the Sacred Heart. We prayed this, and you know what my kids said? Dad, I feel really happy right now. I feel a lot of peace. And I told them, that's because when we invite the Sacred Heart and when we pray, it works. Prayer works, folks. We can't forget that prayer works, and what we ask for is what we're going to get. Prayer begets what, it, what we ask for. If we don't ask for it, if we don't ask for peace, if we don't ask for the sacred heart to be in our homes, to bring peace in our lives, it's not going to happen. It's up to us. It was fun. It was peaceful. Have incense in your home. Have prayer in your home. And until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, let's keep it Catholic.